Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to our latest round of exclusive interviewees with the, the Cybrox Needle podcast. And tonight it's it's very rarely you're joined by what I certainly deem to be uh, as Rangers royalty. And we're really, really pleased to say that joining us tonight on the podcast is Ian Duran. Ian, hi, thanks really a huge amount for joining us. Absolute pleasure, Scott. Uh, hopefully now we can have a, tell a few stories and have a good laugh, but they're looking forward to it. Indeed. Um, firstly, and we're kind of leading with uh, a lot of our pods just now with this question, COVID-19, horrible thing that's affecting the world just now. Uh, any sort of issues it's caused you in your, in your daily life, you, or, or Mrs. Durant, indeed? I just, uh, the wife, no, me and the wife first time, I think the kids, are the, the boredom factor is for the kids now. Uh, yeah. I think there's, there's only so many times or so many games you can play, jigsaws, and so many times you can walk your dog, but uh, the kids, the kids are feeling pinch just now, but uh, just got to get on with it now. There's a lot more things happening and be locked in your house. Indeed, and of course, we regularly see you on Instagram with your golfing challenges. So your practice is definitely working by the looks of things. <laughs> I'm puffed. I'll be trying to come up with some some new ones for, for the old year. I'm winging the old year. I'm, I'm puffed out, and uh, <laughs> so hopefully, I'll not be too long before I'm on the the actual the actual the, the golf course and then hitting a, a ball a few yards. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, tonight we're going to cover everything from your, your early career to um, spanning through your, your really successful career at Rangers um, and of course the eventual, sort of, as you finished your career at Kilmarnock and then the coaching stuff that followed on thereafter. Um, I'd like to start with really early stuff, Glasgow United to Rangers 1983. How did that move come about for you? How did that happen? Hey, again, uh, there was a, a few scouts. Uh, going about the Glasgow Amateur League at that time and, and a particular one, uh, Archie Laurie, who scouted for Rangers at the time. And uh, it just coincided now with playing with a very good Glasgow United team. Uh, a few of the players went on to play professional as well. Uh, and just a, a rich vein of form and we actually all like what you've seen. And one day at Nera Pollock, uh, I scored a few goals and I got the invitation to go to Rangers now as now for a trial or now going and training. And obviously getting relief from school at that time. So the school by Bella Houston Academy at the time were great and they let me off and had a, a two week trial period at Rangers. So who was um who was looking after that in nineteen eighty three? I was but a boy. Um some of yourself certainly. Um who was looking after the, the age group that you went in to play with in the first instance? Was that sort of was there a, a sort of tier of managers, I assume, yeah? There was there was uh, there was a uh, there was Joe Mason who took who basically took the reserve team. Uh, okay. The guy for uh, John Gregg was working with Tom McLean and Stan Anderson uh, at the first team level, and we had Joe Mason and, and Big Davy Proven, uh, the left now really successful left back. Davy was sort of coordinator of the youth, and okay. Joe took the reserves. But the, the two of them now were, were basically joined together, the youth and the reserves, and whatever. Players came out the first team, played in the reserves at that time. So I was under the wing of basically Joe Mason, the reserve team manager. And back then, were you always sort of seen as this sort of dynamic attacking midfielder type guy? I was, yeah. I was, I was, when I was playing with Lazenet, I used to flip from playing up front or, or wide in the right, a winger. I was never really a central midfielder, which I reverted into now 
on my, my career. But earlier on in my career, I, I, was, I was an S form. Well, I was doing S form training, and I subsequently had a <laughs> a skiing accident when I no, I went away with the skill skiing and, and I, uh, I hurt, hurt my, my my shin bone. Right. Which makes uh, I missed now I missed a bit of football for four or five months now. Now you think coming for Karen Park and now taking up skiing wasn't it wasn't a good idea at the time. <laughs> then uh, I think it was through that now obviously having the connections a bit now doing the S form training. Now that they obviously kept tabs on me and seeing when I when I was coming back with Glasgow United, but I was as I touched on earlier, I was more of a, a centre forward come winger, right 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 hand side player. Okay. So um Football was a lot different back then from, from um, as far as trying to progress into a, a first team. You made your debut in 1985 against Morton. Um, what are your memories of that day in particular? I just, again, I, 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 I'd, uh, I'd done really well in the reserves lately, uh, leading up to the, my debut. Uh, John Gregg had promised me a contract, which uh, subsequently I was a wee bit fearful of once, once my, the gaffer left. Yeah. And a uh, big Jock Wallace came in and, and Jock honoured the contract. I, I was given a year and a half contract. And at that time, it was hard now. Big Jock had come back and obviously tried to build a, a Rangers team. It was now, now sadly lacking funds due, due to the fact now there, were, there was a lot of stadium going on now, stadium, yeah. stadium getting fixed up. And now the new stand and that. So there wasn't a lot of money. And I suppose now you could say now at the time I was in the right place at the right time in terms of now getting the opportunity uh, of playing for Rangers now albeit now at the time that they couldn't go out and buy you now players and bring in players. So a lot of they used to get a t- shot at that time and I was now just, it was part of the, they used to call the wee bunch now, it was Huey Burns and Derek obviously it started the, the sort of snowball effect and myself and Derek Ferguson broke into the team. And at that time now it was now, it was a lot, it was unheard of now, now got four, four of the youth team basically now staying and playing in the first team. It's funny you mentioned um, Derek Ferguson, I was going to come on to him next. I think it's quite, Fair to say at that time, um, yourself and Derek Ferguson were seen as real bright hopes for, for Rangers in the first instance and, and the Scottish national team indeed. Um, how did you deal with that pressure back then? I, I don't know how, what that pressure would have been like sort of mid-80s to, to maybe what it's like now. Um, social media certainly wasn't a thing back then, so is there less pressure or do you think it was greater compared to what you think it would be like now? Oh, it, was, it was a lot of pressure on you obviously being now, now basically we grew up now getting the opportunity to play for your boyhood heroes now and getting the opportunity to play for Rangers now. As I said now, when we broke into the team now, the crowds were down now. They weren't the greatest team. But there wasn't a fear factor. And you touched on it, you were spot on now. The social media side of it now, there was nothing that side of it. But yeah. All you had was now basically two newspapers, the Daily Record, The Sun, basically mm-hmm. trying to get information on who was coming in. And the, the the great thing about the gaffer was brilliant to again now reflect the gaffer there's been several gaffers but big job was great at looking after the kids now in terms of now the press and he kept you out that way and, and it was just an enjoyment factor now getting a chance to as I say play with your team and also play with your best friend and now obviously along with Coyce now it was the relationships you build in the team yeah. were great and it was just now there was there was no fear in his end and that that was the thing I think moving on. Not expecting to maybe be the main stage of the team, but we went in and we held our own and big job like what you've seen. Yeah. So you and Derek obviously played in a, in the, the same position. Um, was there a bit of banter as far as you're not getting my jersey this week type thing? Was it was it as, uh, as intense as that? No, there was banter because everything else now you when you get a, you get a taste of it, you want more. Of course. Uh, and, now, and now myself and Derek, now there was other team now that you now. At that, 
time, Cammy Fraser, Robert Pritz, Bobby Russell, all, all vying, now, all great players in their own right. Yeah. And all vying. And as I said, now these, <laughs> these up and coming upstarts, now break the mold and break into the team. Uh, if, if you look at now, if you look at periodically through the, the, the career, big job, like now, the physical side of things and now big players. And now I was, I was about five foot seven. I had to run about in the shower to get wet. <laughs> uh, so ideally, ideally, I wasn't, I wasn't really a big, but I seem to you know, cover the ground quite quick. Uh, you know, like, even at a young age, I had a fair you know, in terms of positional sense, where to pick up easily at that time. Just give the ball to David Cooper, make a run, and nine times out of ten, Cooper would find you with his pass. And uh, yeah. that was a great thing. Now, again, when you broke into the team, getting the chance to play with David Cooper, McCoy, you know, even though you know, he's only he only played a few games. I uh, played a few games on it, but. John McClellan, the centre half, and yeah. players like that. Now, Peter McCloy, now experienced players, and who now taught you Derry Johnson the way how to play for Rangers. So there was a lot of them um, when you arrived. There was there was a, a lot of experience to learn from in the first instance, wasn't there? For someone who, at your age at that point, it would have been really really helpful you, for you to deal with the pressure of playing for Rangers. Then, of course, there was. An, and, uh, I said that at that time they, they, they all come in now. now. I used to be in awe of Coop and Bobby Russell and I used to watch them in training and this telepathy about the two of them now and I was fortunate enough to come in and play and, and strike up another great relationship with Coop but there were so many people that now. Yeah. Uh, Jim and Nicko and uh, Lee Stewart and Rogers came in from, from Alawa now pound for pound one of the best signings Rangers have ever had now in terms of what they paid from and they came in and, and it was it was a good time now at that time and that's sad in other way now that the, the team wasn't doing well but it was just a great time for us to try yeah. and establish ourselves now when I mean, you look now a couple of years down the line what happened now so it was just getting the one you now your foot in and make sure now you've established yourself and then the, the hardest thing was now now getting in the team but staying in the team and now make sure now you can you can stay there yeah so your career at Ibrox which we'll, we'll kind of stagger through um 13 years in total there working under guys like Jock Wallace, who you've mentioned, um, and obviously uh, Graham Souness and, and latterly Walter Smith. Um, what did you learn from each of these guys? I, I, I can clearly tell you uh, you had an affinity for, for Jock Wallace and, and John Gregg indeed initially as well. Oh, um, you're, now you're, you're telling grateful. Now I'm telling you what uh, John Gregg had now obviously. But it'd been easy for a big Jock to come in and maybe just will. I want to bring in players and he, he maybe discarded the contract that I was already promised, but you know, fair dues to the manager, he stopped with it and gave me the contract. Now, Big Jock used to talk about the Rangers DNA now, you're born with it and what it's like to represent Rangers. And, you know, fantastic, you know, great upbringing. Hard as nails, but one of the fairest men you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. Uh, and that was now, then it went on to sooner, uh, Graham, then obviously now the gaff at the, the back end of it, but just the learning thought, the learning process and obviously the First and foremost, you know, the greatest like seeing the greatest ranger. Now, must have seen something to me to get obviously of them in the first place a contract and then big joke in your debut. Now, you never forget those days, it just told out the blue big joke come up on a Friday. And in those days, we used to have the practice match, the reserves against the first team, and uh, played. And it goes, Well, I've got a blue jersey on and that, but usually on a Friday representing you were playing the first team, barring you, know, you get injured or you had an absolute holocaust in training. <laughs> and uh, you come up after training and there he goes, there you go, get him your mum and dad, you're playing tomorrow, get a good night's kip. He gave him a slap in the heat and that, that was it. Now, no time <laughs> to think about it. No, no. That was, so the, the walk back from Ibrox to Kenham Park, which was less than a mile, uh, seemed to go a wee bit faster that day. 
albeit at the albeit at the good times. Um, so when Sunis arrived, can you? So when Graham Sunis arrived, I was six, seven. Um, and I can always remember one of the things I, I can remember quite vividly from the press conference was, was David Holmes welcoming him into the Blue Room with the old Cheshire Crat experience uh, right across his coop, and he was really, really pleased to get Graham Shunis in. And I think from a from a Rangers perspective, it really it turned around our football club and the, the direction we were going entirely. And um, what can you remember about uh, about Shunis arriving? We'd, we'd heard be whispers. Uh... Now, there was a doc, I think there was a documentary on him and he, he said, uh, do you get any fulfilled in terms of games? And he said, I'd love to be a player manager at Rangers. And it sort of catapulted for there. David, Mr. Holmes went and done his homework, got Graham uh, from Italy. And, and we were actually on holiday at the time, myself and Derek. And that was the thing. Now, again, you're talking earlier about the competition. Uh, <laughs> we were sitting in Magluf up in a pint going, well, he's the player manager. He's wanting to play. So one of us will not be playing. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, the next morning we got up and it was funny and uh, I goes so there was a few of the boys and I goes well Derek and uh, somebody says oh he's, he's about for a jog I goes oh <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to start on me so, <laughs> so we, we knew we had a few jogs and then uh, at that time that we were, we're getting snippets now obviously we're in, we're in uh, Magaluf we're getting snippets of things now Graham wants to change your team uh, there'll be many changes there'll be a lot of players leaving and uh, you, you're going back a wee bit apprehend now thinking if you're now going to be in the and, and his plans, or if you're going to be leaving, and now there was a, a few players that left, but unfortunately, again, now I just signed a contract under Big Jock, and uh, uh, again, now we, we had the ground running with Graham. So, did you think he was he was harsh but fair on you guys, or, or do you think he was just generally harsh? <laughs> no, he was. He was. I, I can. I was in trouble a couple of times, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. The majority of the time he was right, and I, I can see what was you know, the angle he was trying to get. Obviously, he was trying to protect us as much as because you've got now, now at that time we, we were an asset to Ranger at that time now. Of uh, due to the fact now how we were playing well, and you're playing now with, now with, with players like now the England captain Chris Wood, now Graham Sunis, now Graham Roberts, now McCoy's, now Trevor Francis, Ray Wilkins. I mentioned now, you're so now yeah. we were there, so he, he, he tried to keep us now. He knew it was hard for us now, obviously. Now, living in Glasgow and, and Graham based himself now, he, he knew the pitfalls and, and uh, once or twice now we overstepped the mark. By God, we felt it. And uh, that was, but that was, that's what he was now. That was a, he'd been a young, now been a kid before now at Middlesbrough, he was unhappy and then went to Tottenham and then eventually now uh, he got his move to, to Middlesbrough and then obviously to Liverpool. But he's seen the pitfalls of what could happen with the younger players and they try to look after as much as they can. I think a lot of the time you hear um, when Sunish talks about up here, and particularly yourself and and Mr. McCoy, you, you can almost see a a glint in his eye every time he, he speaks about you, as if he knows a story that he wants to tell, but he's very reluctant to just put it out there. I'm sure there's a few of them. <laughs> oh, uh, listen, uh, we could sit here all night and just talk myself coasting soon as the stories, but uh, he, was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was hard. And now, as I said, now, there was a few times where we thought he'd overstepped the mark, but when you look back in things and you, you take stock of things, now he, he was he was spot on. Uh, but he was good. Now as I said, now you you never thought in your days. Now you get a chance to have a me person now getting now playing beside now Graham soon as the middle of the park. Yeah, I mean he, he was a, a wonderful player as well. I seen a montage on um, social media just at the weekend there about some of the things he had done, some of the goals he scored, some of the marks he'd left on other players, um, <laughs> and 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 just he, he was he was a really really 
good footballer. Um, and I think I sometimes think he doesn't get enough credit for 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 being such a talented footballer because every so often there was a stud mark down the opposite number six's leg or something like that. But he was a really good footballer. Oh, fantastic! But again, he, he knew the game, and uh, that was some um, of his team talks before the game. Now, if they want to have a go, we'll have a go. If they want to play as a football, we'll play them at football. So yeah. he was in no qualms. But there was sometimes when the game was getting a bit bored for him, he, he would do things now which got an atmosphere, and that's just the way he was. But, oh, those games in the tunnel, when you look at players, I look at Graham Souness, and you know, without being big-headed, now, we, we win games in the tunnel. We're having Graham Souness and, and Terry Butch and Graham Roberts in the tunnel. Indeed. I have to speak about um, Walter Smith. Um, he's really a... You almost look at him as a father figure to all you guys. I don't know if there's what the difference is between him and the guys that have been there previously, but there's definitely more of a, a sort of father figure around Walter Smith and you guys. What do you think? Yeah, he, uh, he lived the dream. Uh, he was always his, his ambition to be at Rangers. And uh, he got the chance now, and obviously, with Graham going to Liverpool, Graham, now, when he agreed to go to Liverpool, the first person to contact was, was Walter to ask him to come to Liverpool. And uh, the gaffer, Said he might have a chance, and and, Walt, and Graham obviously spoke to the to Walter on about the thing. But he was just you, you, when the man was in your presence, you were you were gonna annoy him. Now when he walked in a room, you can now you could see the respect he was held, and just an all round great guy. Great now the first time around, now he was the man that done all the coaching. Graham was still playing, obviously in training, but the gaffer was doing all all the coaching, all the stuff, and uh, it was now it was a great insight and in how how he worked. And you can see now, now just look now. At his time, how how successful Dundee United were under Mister McLean, and obviously the gaffer worked beside him. Yeah, and he's he's at Ibrox all the time. I I see him quite regularly when I'm going back and forth to the ground. So he's a he's a frequent visitor and struggles to get to the the doors without getting stopped for pictures and autographs. It must be a great laugh trying to get for his car to the to the doors. <laughs> oh, I know, but I remember we used to park over in the school, so it was it was a shorter walk. But now he's. he's He's like the rest of his as they park over now with the old album. <laughs> absolutely, to, uh, absolutely. But he, he loves it and he's, he's, he's a, he gets great delight in taking his grandkids to the game now. And they're coming in and they're at most now home games. And if he's not there with Mrs. Smith now, he loves yeah. it. And uh, that's just the guy he is. He's just now, he's one of these people who I think, and he should be at Rangers all the time, and I, I think in other capacities, but that's the way the gaffer is. He just likes going and watching football. But I'm sure now if, if there's a space at Rangers that they, they should have, after in some capacity. I think often you, you, you see these other clubs up and down um, Britain, maybe in the first instance, but certainly in across Europe, um, they talk about having club ambassadors. If there's ever a job that, that Walter Smith has made to do now that he's not managing, it is absolutely 100% that. Oh, without a, no, without a shadow. And, uh, but it's, it's something he, 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 would, he, would, he would deny, but he, he wouldn't take it on board. But he has, he just, he's, He's, he's got a special presence about him, Scott. And he just, you know, the way he conducts himself. Uh, and I see, you now the President Rangers manager look now gets him up for lunch and they have breakfast now and again now before yeah. games. And it's just, just an, an, an ideal man. You now, he bounces things off. And you, you know, what you're, the thing you'll get with the gaffers is absolute 100% honesty. Uh, yeah. If it's not working, he'll tell you it's not working. And that's the way he is. He's just a total honest man who now. Gives his all, and you can see now he still talk now. He's the way he go. He loves going to the games because now we speak after games. I'm sort of on the better seats than he's in, but now we talk after <laughs> the games. And he just, he just, he loves it, and he loves going in and having his wee glass of red, and then up the road, and that's him. He just Absolutely. loves, he loves his football. But yeah. he, he loves every every 
second Saturday going to Ibrox. Absolutely. So I want to speak about Ian Durant, the player. Um, so as we say, you were there at Ibrox for, for 13 years. Um, we're, we're going to cover that that period and a, a couple of um, things. 46 goals and just under 350 appearances for the club. I want to speak about in the, in the <laughs> I want to speak in the first instance about um, a couple of goals that I remember you scoring against Celtic. Um, first one in the League Cup final, 1986. The ball drops to you on your left peg, yep. um, and you thrash it in. Um, and then the second one, which is one of my favourite old firm games of all time, um, was the one that Cooper played you in, um, mm. where we sort of fancy dink out his left outside his left, and you were straight through. Everybody talks about the second goal and gives me pelters. Uh, <laughs> the first goal, uh, we just now come over. And you could see now uh, Derek, or Derek Ferguson whipped on another great ball between Derek and David Cooper. And I just seen two men go with Butch. So I just thought I peeled off Butch at the back post and unfortunately I took a good touch uh, and hit it. It just came at my left foot. And as I said, I just made sure I was hitting into the ground and uh, again gave us a start. To go in the cup final, Celtic come back with a fantastic Brian McLeod goal. I had, yeah, and it was down to David Cooper now, the sweetest left peg, and the sweetest left peg, it don't a ten of fees, Cooper's left foot, and one v one for 12 yards. And apparently, there's only going to be one winner, and yeah. now that that was that was a catalyst. I thought, I thought now if we had made have lost that game that day, now Celtic again might have went on, but that was just that was now Graham's first now taste. Now, the old firm game, unfortunately, was. He was injured and I gave myself and Derek, who again, Derek Ferguson was outstanding that day. Yeah. Now, there was, again, it was, it was now unheard of now. There was myself, Derek, and Robert Fleck, and, and young Dave McFarland, who another come through the years now at that time. We were one of the really youth players when I had, when we came through, we were more, now we're called apprentices. We were, yep. now we're done, but we're still doing jobs. Now, clearing cars, now the terraces, now we were still <laughs> doing jobs. And that, that was part of your apprenticeship, grinning. Now cleaning boots, I was used to do with McCoy's boots and Coop's boots. I done one to eleven, and the other boys now done what eleven to twenty two, and we're still doing. And that day again, it just we looked around, and again we're all sitting up having a beer after the cup final. And now four of your pals now playing the cup final, beating Celtic. Great, Graham had great delight. That just made sure now, because he was under P. Now obviously with the signings he brought in, now, now Butch Woodsy, and you're always now that nobody spent that level of money. And Graham went out and spent a level of money, so the pressure was always on, and, and we delivered, and that, that just you now spurred us on. And now, again, we had the usual nuclear in the, the Scottish Cup. We never really seen a day well with that under Graham <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and, uh, but we went on to win the league, and now that, that, that was the thing. But the, the biggest now, they get the first hurdle winning the first cup final. And, and again, now, my first cup final, I, I get the chance because I'd, you know, I'd scored. You know, the second goal we were talking about now, David Cooper, which is probably the, the greatest three-year pass you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> it really was. Game. It really was. I, I, I used to ask him many a time, and, and I, I said, "How? Did you, where did you see me? He goes, there's a funny idea you were coming. And I goes, I was what, 15 years behind you. <laughs> and he goes, and he came away with a great line. And he goes, wee man, you know what I was running? I goes, for, I, for some reason you were, running on your right foot, he goes, exactly. How do you think I played it outside my left foot? And, that, and uh, then you get the, you get the goal. and Because we were under, again, getting into that game under pressure because if Celtic would move the turn now, we, now we'd lost. <laughs> we got lost against Tibbs and then we lost the, the following week against the United. So we're sort of chasing our tail getting into the old firm game. But it worked out great. And again, now, 
you're always remembered, not for now your great finish or what a pass. How did you blank Coop? And that's uh, <laughs> exactly. But if I have a pound for everybody said that uh, nothing about uh, now the, the latter now the goal or the pass, it, can't believe you you blank Coop, and I just go bright red because because I think every day after that when I went into training Coop would have a go at me in some weird about blank them. And I, I was just I was so apologetic for now for six years after that. So was was Cooper? Was he? I mean, was he um, quite regularly doing sneaky wee passes like that? Was that part of his game, or did did, did he do that regularly in, in training or anything like that? Was he? Coop, Coop would do things in training. You, you, it was in training. As I said, now his left foot could open a ton of peas. He 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 could knock meg two people and mean it with a pass, and you wouldn't have to break your stride. Uh, very rarely in all my times of playing with Coop did I ever see him use his right foot. Yeah. So it was always a flick or a or he conjured back on his left foot and, and as soon as he's on his left foot he, he he instantly and the ball was never two or three yards away from him and he just see passes other players never seen. And as I said now, if you made the correct run, you didn't have to break your stride. Yeah. The ball would just come come beside you. And that's what it was. But a great delight. Coop was just a player now. He, he scored unbelievable goals. It took some great pleasure at just now, now manufacturing and having assisting goals. Yeah, we we spoke about him um, very recently. Of course, it was the the anniversary of his passing, and we yeah. we spoke about um, just how sad it was. And I, I remember saying on the on the podcast just how Scottish footballs missed someone like David Cooper. I think just to just to bring something fresh and new to the game. Um, he, he didn't really have a a, a grain of pace. But his his technical ability and he's just he, how good a footballer he was 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 incredible. He's certainly someone I don't think, and um, will will any will ever see anyone like him again in the Scottish game. Never. And uh, no, he, he, he said no pace. Never missed a day of training. Never. Yeah. Never ever missed a day of training. Always there. Never used to practice free kicks. Nothing. But an act of knowing where he could put the ball and and where he was you now. And what pace he was going to put at now, he was just nine times out of ten, he'd just tell the boys, move out the way, I'm hitting us. And that was it now. He, just, <laughs> he was just, again, he, the, the great thing about Coop when I made my debut, and uh, he just, he's, he's the greatest words ever, and he just said to me, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And uh, yeah. you're going and thinking, that he goes, we all do it, and we all make mistakes, and he just goes, play your game. If something happens, just go, go and get the ball again and go back and try it again. And it was just now, now you're you're lining up, and now you're you're yeah you're breaking it a wee bit in the tunnel, and you get this now people behind you who now just have made mistakes, but they know how to fix it, and that that's now the greatest bit of advice I've ever had in my life, and now I stand and get now it's a sad man, and it's a sad day, and now sadly missed, sadly yeah. missed, and there's no day now goes by you don't think about now something comes up and you think oh could now what have you been doing today, and you've been coaching some kids now so. The basics now control and pass. Exactly, and I, I think I've I've done a bit of sort of youth coaching myself, and um, it's it's it is, it's a it's a basic that you, you you try and teach, and you just think you know if he was still around, there would be someone absolutely in awe of the simple things that he's that he's he's teaching these guys. You know what I mean? He would be managing. He would have had a crack at it, and he'd have managed at the top level because now his knowledge of the game. Uh, where the way he played it and the way he wanted it played, you now would be like second to none. It was just a second nature to him, just you know, 
Now, the way you used to control a ball and pass a ball and just now limit your touches. Fantastic football player, and just, but no, just a great guy. I mean, a great guy, you know. So we're going to speak about David Cooper again, just in a wee minute. I remember in 1987 um, being at my, my grandfather's house in Cumbernauld and watching the Rangers-Aberdeen final, three each game. Um, David Cooper, of course, scores that fantastic free kick that Jim Leighton looked around for five minutes to see where the ball was and eventually caught it as it came back over his shoulder. Um, you scored a fantastic goal that game, really, really good goal. Um, clever one-twos all around the pitch. McCoy's played you in, great finish. Um, good to score again at Hamden, eh? Brilliant. Again, now, just the same, you know, late you up, it was just a, a, a great game. We, we didn't start the game at all. You know, Aberdeen had, a, they put us on the back foot. Uh, Jim Betts goes an early penalty, and, and I think we, we cleared one off the line, if I remember, I think. Big of all people, big Alan McLeish, I think, got a wee <laughs> knock on it. And I think I think it was actually Stuart Monroe. Right. Then we got a wee chance, and it was just about, it was at the ball up to Coyce, and Coyce gets a free kick, and then Coop, that was the day Coop says out of the way. And now there's, for some reason, Graham Roberts was standing beside him. Coop just moved Graham Roberts out of the way and hit this. Now, but you can only describe it as an exercise missile, and that was the funny thing is, we were there a, a couple of weeks later in the Scotland squad, and big Jim Leighton goes, I it. I got a hand to and Coop never, never came up for your soup and he goes, I know you. <laughs> and then uh, and, uh, that was growing that just and uh, that, now that, as you say, the one twos. Then uh, we, we sort of, we should have put the game to bed, but again, now, us being us at that time, now we're, we're chasing the game. Now, just the way, as soon as wanted to play, we're a wee bit cavalier at times. And Aberdeen now, two sucker punches before, you know, we're three, two down. And uh, look as though that the cup now for, now for, we're playing so well, we're going to lose the cup. But again, now, uh, Jimmy Nichols said they meant it, but I, I'm, I'm sure Jimmy missed past the ball. But Graham Roberts, he's a colonel credit now, must have ran 30 yards. Uh, suspicion offside myself, but I thought Stuart McKinney played me on. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, was go, I was going to get my second goal, and Flecky popped in. <laughs> and uh, three each. And then after that, that totally deflated Aberdeen. Now, now they, they put so much into the game, going 3 2 up, and I think. Maybe three or four minutes to go, and then extra time we would be about three or four chances. Coyce did two unbelievable chances, which he missed, which was no like them. No. Jim Layton, a great save, uh, one twice from Robert Flick. In fact, one unbelievable header where Jim's got it at the top right, and then the, now the, the, the lot it goes to penalties. And uh, Peter Nicholas misses the penalty, and myself, uh, Coop, Coyce, a very uh, flecky and a very extravagant two step Trevor Francis. That's right, remember it. Because did he not have the to, did the ball not move as he was going to take it first time around? They, they, they complained it wasn't on the, the penalty spot. Trevor, being Trevor, Trevor, Trevor was horizontal. Mm -hmm. Trevor was so laid back, it was frightening. He just went up and still two set and it just it never left the grass. But that was just Trevor. And then he just walked back as if now it was just second edge. So be it. <laughs> I know, but that's, that's the way Trevor was. And it was now, and I was now fortunate enough to get him. Get the winning penalty. So yeah, you no. you knew stepping up to take that penalty. I I can I can see it right now. You're walking up there, socks at your ankles, getting ready to go up and take this penalty. And what were you thinking at that point? Did you know where you were going to put it? Yes, I knew. I, I always, I, most of the time when I had penalties, I always went bottom left, inside left pace, uh, just ground it. But I, the reason I had my socks down, which is now a wee bit, uh, now it's not the way now if you're Rangers play, you always have your socks up. But I'd lost my shine guard just to. About a minute 
uh, before the end of the extra time and a sock come down and I, I just said, well, I'm not going to go on now and I couldn't find my, my shin guard and I just put the socks down. But I, I was just, I was so, I was everything that day just come off that day for me. And I just now, it was just one of the days I was just super cold to get up. And again, now the famous celebration when I get the hands up at the... Waiting on everyone to start. join you. Yes, well, the first day I was coasting and from, from nowhere, Avi Cohn appeared from nowhere. <laughs> appeared, sorry, Avi Cohn. That's the fastest he's moved all year. And uh, that's what it was just now, great times and another uh, great night and great celebrations. So you were 20 then? Um, and oh, you had, boy. Well, that's it. That's absolutely it. Um, so you'd, you'd done all the things that I, I would say a 20-year-old in a similar position to yourself would, would love to do, you know what I mean? Scoring the Hamden against Celtic, scoring the Ibrox against Celtic, scoring the the winning goal in a cup final in, in the National Stadium. Everything was going great. Did you ever, you were clearly at that point at, at a really good time in your career. Was there ever an opportunity for you to move on at that point from Rangers? Was it anything you ever considered? It was just rumours. Uh, not not for me, no, no. I was I was I was still living the dream. Yeah. Uh, nothing that even at that time I wasn't money orientated. I was just enjoying football. Uh getting a bit of recognition with the club obviously and, and obviously I was playing with the country at the time as well. Uh it was just it was rumours, you know the usual tabloids pick up something, but there was rumours yeah. I meant the Italian teams interested in a couple of English teams, but I never heard a thing. And then uh, that was the thing, it was just all rumours to me. I was just wanted I was it took me a wee while to get the Rangers, but I wasn't make sure I was going to make. I was, I was going to make sure I was making the most of it. And Absolutely. at that time, now you could you could see you now the way the club was going. Uh, we're winning things and, and then playing in Europe, now, which was great at that time as well. Playing against now, which is then the European Cup against now the, the champions of the of the of the countries. Now it was just great times, and again it was just a a really good feel factor about the club. Just at that time now. You couldn't buy a season ticket now. The the, the wait list, everything. And I said, now we we'll, we seem to we had this uh, expectation. We were expected to win all the games, and that that now gathers momentum. And you, you now you you enjoy your football. I need to ask you about um, what happened the following year, Ian, um, in October 1988, um, when you uh, sustained the injury. Um, I don't know how much you want to say about it, to be perfectly honest with you, but no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, opening up the floor it, to you. It happened. Uh, I switched off for a, for a millisecond, and I, I paid the consequences. Now, the, the tackle that happened was a disgrace. Uh, no getting away from it, but the reason, I, the reason I, I switched off, because the referee blew for a free kick, and then I stopped, and then my last, my last recollection was just feeling a serum pain going through. It wasn't so much my knee, it was just the inside of my leg. And I just now, then you think now, you're, you're, I, I hadn't heard of the word cruciate now. Yeah. And uh, I just heard now, when I was in the dressing room, at, and the, the club doctor, Donald Cruikshank, who I now owe everything to now, in terms of now getting me back in again, and he came in and before you know it, I was, I was drowsy. He gave me a morphine jag, and I just heard, I heard the word cruciate. As I'm sitting there, there's still a game of football going on and Terry Butcher's taking doors off hinges and <laughs> everything. And it was, everything was an absolute blur, Scott, in terms of what happened. And now, it was October 8th, 1988, and it was eight minutes past three I got injured. Yeah, right at the start of the game. Right yeah. at the start and of the uh, game. And I just now, obviously, there was a few tackles flying about and everything, but I don't know. You'll never know because we've never met up, but now, 
it was, there was no need for it anyway. I think now the way you challenged me. So it took, I mean, it, it took um, three years of your career completely from you. Um, I think from a, for a Rangers fan, I'm sure I speak on behalf of anyone who's watching and listening, it kind of took you away from us for three years as well. Um, that period of time must have been really tough um, for you to, to sort of get your head round, try and get a period of recovery back. There must have been a couple of maybe moments where you thought you were just about ready to go and then some of the other setback, yeah? Oh, it's a million setbacks, Paul. Uh, in between the injury, I lost my dad. Uh, yeah, they, they go on about uh, the depression things. I think I, I, I was clinically depressed at one yeah. point because I I had operations and it, it, nothing seemed to go on. Now it was like one step and then three steps back. Uh, it wasn't until now America, Graham Soonis, and as I said, now the club doctor Donald Crookshank sourced this surgeon in Los Angeles because that they. All the all the, the surgery I had in Great Britain, that that was the best they could do, and, and the knee the knee was still unstable, and uh, and I went to America, uh, to Los Angeles, and Sherman Oaks, the the the, the surgical place, and this Doctor Blazima, and I was going over there, thinking now uh, just to see if if he could do it for my knee, and it was the first time I'd heard a surgeon say, "I'll get you back playing," and that gave me the the biggest boost in the world. The day of my surgery. I got the, the, the phone call from Graham Soonest. We just clinched the title at Tannadice with Trevor Stephen, and I was lying there, uh, just had my operation, and it gave me the greatest boost. No, now the, the, the doctor, obviously, the surgeon, and saying, I'll get you back playing. At what level? I don't know, but you get back playing soccer. He used to call it soccer in America. Yeah, of course. And that, gave me, that just gave me the biggest now, biggest job ever. And obviously, now the Rangers won the league now, set up now, just the quickest recovery time. All the other recoveries after injuries were slow and painful but this one you'll come back with a, a different focus and then we, we'd sourced again now Lily Show yeah. but I, I said I, I don't want to be in Glasgow now I, I got myself into trouble now as I said now going about one minute you're king of the castle next minute now you're, you're nothing and you're, you're feeling sorry for yourself of course so I, I went down to, down to Lily Show and spent nine months at Lily Show and then I come back and that was me you know everything everything that just gave I was about just under 10 stone at my fight, mate, everything, uh, everything just shooters out to here now. I, I was like, <laughs> I, as I said, I went, uh, I, went, had, uh, I was running about in the shower and all of a sudden I've got, I've got muscles where I, I didn't think I could get, I, I just everything, you name it, everything, everything, bike going, swimming, it was like, watching the old Rocky thing now, up and down beaches, up and down sand dunes now, and they, they mentally battered me to get yeah. back playing because they knew the side effects have been out for now like two and a half years could have you in terms of getting back, but as long as your mind, they didn't release you for all the show until they thought you were right in the head. I was never right in the head anyway, so <laughs> how do I get away from all the show? I never know. And that, that was the way they went about their business. They were, I was fortunate. One, one of the two of the physicals, Grant Downey, yeah, who became physical rangers, and Graham Smith, and they're, they're ex army men. And uh, what they do, they you now they put demands on you. Now we, we'd go in the, in the middle of forest, and there's now six football players and a jock. <laughs> I've got to carry it for three miles and, and, and jockeys are no built ill built logs but it's, it's, it's now get you prepared and we're used to sitting oh, the wee jockey the wee jockey just as you sleep they were knackered but it was great times and now as I said now when I was at Lilith Show not, not everybody left Lilith Show and got back then again yeah. and there was some sad cases and 
Uh, I, I don't know if you remember a boy, Paul Lake, Man City. Man City, yeah, of course. You can check up. He, he was one of the Man City, and he was the most. He was the most sought after youngster at the time. Big, big like he never made it. He never made it back. And I, he, he sent us a great letter the day I made my comeback against the reserves, and I got this letter. Now, and I just got a committee at that time, and it, it wasn't bad enough. The, the butterflies, everything I was absolutely now. I'm telling you honestly, that's the most now. And there's a letter, and I read this letter, and I had to go into talk, I had a wee tear. And I just said, well, I'm going to get back playing. That big guy never made it. And then when I made my first team come back against St. Johnston, when I was lucky enough to score, Big Lake, he was at the game that day. Excellent. And, uh, we've, we've stuck up a great relationship ever since then. But as I said now, for I was one of the lucky ones that get back playing again. And Big Paul never, no, he never got the chance. So in that reserve game um, at Ibrox, I'm not sure we've ever had a... Um, an attendance Ibrox like that and oh, I think it's safe, safe to say we'll never have anything like that again I mean the fans ultimately turned up to see you they wanted to see you it wasn't to look at anyone else but yourself that must have been a oh, huge no. boost in itself was it not? it was it was incredible honestly they, they, they were saying oh, there's, there's, uh, in the warm you're going oh there's no bad wee crowd here today and, <laughs> and we're in, in the dressing room they're filming, oh, they're going to have to open another couple of turnstiles and then the game's going on 10-15 minutes and all you see is like thousands now around the side of the track, and I've got now the governing and all the Rangers end opened up. And it was just now you have to pinch yourself now because now you, the letters I had up until my comeback now, but hope everything goes well. Or not now, you, there's thousands of letters and I couldn't reply to all of them, but it just it shows you now how much a rapport I had with the fans. And it just now you're, you're a ten, there's things you'll remember in your life now, your, your kids. And, now the, the occasional cup final or occasional goal, but I'll never forget that day against the Hibernian reserves at Ibrox where now all these thousands of people turned out to watch me come back and, and what a feeling it gave me. I think as well you 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 kind of when football's come back from from serious injuries, particularly one that you that you had yourself, um, you're almost wary of them being tackled. Um, can you can you remember your first sort of real sort of bone shuddering tackle and think? I, I'll be okay. I, I can handle that. Yeah, there, there was a few. In tra- there was a few in training, and again, now that's when I was at Lilla Show. You, 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 most of the time, I was doing one v ones, and it's now like a ten-yard pitch where you, there's got to be physical contact. As I said, now doing it Lilla Show, if they didn't think you're ready to go and play football, they wouldn't release you. So they, 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 their, their mental approach. So there was tackles, and that's something you couldn't now. I couldn't now go without, and I knew it was going to happen. Now, where now? How would you cope with it? But I, I was fine in training. Again, now it's going to be different if somebody's going to come in and now try and hit you again. But again, that was just part and parcel of playing. So I want to speak to you about something that happened in the, the space in between where you're getting injured and coming back. It's not something that's related to you. However, I hope it's something you've got good input on. Morris Johnston arrived at Ibrox. Um, can you remember that time in particular? Because Scottish football yeah, went bonkers for it. Crazy. And... Uh, where I came from, they didn't take it to Elkhorn Park. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it spoke to Coyce that they played in the, the internationals, Scotland v England. And uh, it was a great story. He said, Well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, Coyce. And Coyce was going on. He goes, oh, I'm signing for Rangers. And Coyce says, Well, you're in, you're in the, the paper with a Celtic strip. And he goes, I know, but Graham Stunis has gave me a deal. And uh, the, the game's going on Scotland England game, and Big Terry Butcher has a, a well at him. And we moment so it was oh Cam doing that with your teammate a couple weeks on big butchers. Now, they, they, they never had a clue what was going on and uh, it certainly shook up the world. Uh, uh, the gaffer was, was on 
saying now if if the, if now or was at that time they're signing Catholics or whatever come up, he said if the if the best comes up, we'll sign them. And Absolutely. the best at that time was Lee Morris, and now he came in, fantastic football player. But it certainly was a shock to us, and now a lot of the boys now at that time now the Rangers thing. But he came in, and it was great for day one. Uh, he came in and done his job now. I mean, far easier to come in and maybe now, now take the money and maybe say, oh, he couldn't handle it. But Lee Morris, you know, if anything, Lee Morris was one of the ones that could have handled it. And he came yeah. in and I said, now he was, he was great for us and now a great character in the restaurant. He was an excellent striker for us for, for the, the, the period of time he was there. And um, he, he the, the one thing that I sort of remember about him was the fact that he just didn't seem to care. He was aware of the, the sort of... The headlines that were going on in the background, but he, he really wasn't that bothered about it. He just wanted to play his football. That's what it was. And as I said, now every day there was they, they were trying to bring a store up with Morris or something. And uh, again, now the thing it was like like gas coin. Now similar to Paul. Now his haven was out in the park. Now where Gaza could just go and show his things and do his things. And Wee Morris is just the same now. Now somebody check under his motors or things like this. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a real some of the things that went on, but that's just how he was living his life at that time. And, but once we went to the party, just it was like a relief, and I can go and show my thing. And you now for for two and a half years now, him and you now him and Haley, and obviously him and Coyce, they struck up great relationship and scored some great goals. So we spoke a couple of weeks ago. I had a a call similar to what I'm having with you just now with um, Peter Hustra who's in Uzbekistan just now, and he spoke about the night in Marseille in the velodrome when you scored one of the most sweet-struck shots I've ever seen in my life, arrowed straight out of the bottom corner. Um, that was obviously part of that really, really impressive European Cup campaign that we had. And I asked Peter if he felt that, taking into account everything that happened with Marseille and Bernard Tapie, etc., did he feel a wee bit of bitterness in the sense that we were perhaps done out to get into a European Cup final. Do you feel that at all or, or do you just oh, think that... 100%. No, we're not going to take away. Marseille had them now were fantastic. Now, what a talented team they had. Yeah. But it, it, it was late, it continued later on now that, now that there was, was Skullduggery involved and uh, they, they, they'd done whatever to get. Now, now there was some, we, we played against the, the Russian team, by they, they were a very good team. And yeah. Marseille, there was a bout of food poisoning and about for the, the Moscow team, and they lost 6 0. And, uh, and they end up, it did come down to goal difference. And uh, there is a bit of taste because uh, I still think our best chance got it was in, it was in 87 when Bucharest put it out. I still think that was our best chance of winning the Champions League or the European Cup at time. Yeah. Uh, now Bucharest had Lakatus and all that playing with them at that point, didn't Lakatush, they? Lakatus, yeah. And a certain Hadji's dad, yeah, who was no indeed. bad, I mean, by the way, he was no bad. Uh, but we seem to lose, now we lost a goal in three minutes over in Bucharest, and then we lost a goal in a minute and a half at Ibrox. And then we had them on the rope second half, and myself and Soups had a few chances, and uh, we missed. But if we'd have got to the next round, we'd, we'd like uh, John Brown, Matt Walters, and Ray Wilkins, who, no, Ray was already playing. Matt Walters... Maybe Jan Bartromego and Bomber who came into the squad and yeah. now which then was now a talented squad at the time and we had three now three quality players that now would have helped us but I know as I said now that was a bit the Marseille game always rank week because now it's just riddled we know with Skullduggery and everything right. and, and again now to come so close and, and Peter was Peter loved it because at that time now the free foreigner rule yeah. and Peter was Peter was playing most games because he took another now great bit of form 
Yeah. And the mop we used to call now because he's he's wee, he's wee middle shed, great boy. <laughs> uh, he used to come here with some sayings, Peter. Now these Dutch sayings and oh, he's mad, but good, great boy. And now again, now he came in and embraced now what most of the foreign boys he came and embraced the club, and all they can talk about is the good things about the club, and it's now great when you can now, especially the foreign boys and now the English boys now the the, the way they talk foreign about the club. Yeah, he actually spoke about when he um when he arrived. Uh, I Brox, he was, or rather, when he arrived at Rangers, he was taken to El Choco, the training camp, um, and then he was basically told rather than go home to to Holland, he was to get on the flight back to Glasgow with the the team, and he went to uh, Lesser Hamden to watch a Queens Park friendly, I think it was, and he he, when he literally had the clothes he had on, he didn't have a stitch with him. No, it just that's the time because we, we we in Choco, it's high altitude. So Graham, we used to go there and get battered for 10 days, obviously the football and that, and then come back. And the first thing he wanted was the game right away. So, so we'd come back on the Thursday or the Friday and we'd play, we'd always see me play Queen's Park in a bounce game, the lesser handing and that was just so Peter. Again, now eventually now he's Mrs. Miriam, he had the clothes, but he's well looked after in terms of tracksuits. No, it'd be fine. His tracksuits were burnt some of his Dutch gear. <laughs> you know, uh, the Dutch people have got a sort of strange because... Again, Peter didn't realise now he thought we kind of woman that the the shirt and tie and uh and there you go, isn't it? He used to come in like with blue shirts and burgundy jackets and be <laughs> leather ties. Funny, but again I just a great boy and that was the thing. But he embraced the club and uh, the, the, and what they thought now said now with the shirt and tie policy. So I want to go back to um the, the period of time after you you've we we've done the um the European Cup run um and you had the opportunity to go down to Everton on loan for a period. How did that move come about? And did you, well, looking back, the was it was it something you enjoyed? I loved it. Again, I, I wasn't in the team, but I, I still think Walter sent me down there to test me and see how I'd go. And uh, I, he, he brought me back within now. At that time, me and Duncan signed three three month loan deals. Uh, and at that time, the, the English or Scottish club could call the players back if there was an injury outbreak or. And uh, after six weeks, there was a few injuries at Rangers, and I, I got the call back. And uh, I come back on uh, Thursday, trained on a Friday, up to Dundee on Saturday, and then come off the bench, and I got a goal. And uh, I, I, now, just the game time, I think, now, you can maybe think if I was going stale, which I was at the time, not playing a lot, a lot of regular football. Now, some great players at the time in the club now. Again, uh, once you were out of the team, and it, was, it was quite hard to get back in again. And I come back, and I, I was regenerated again, and, and I went on now. The, the, the cup finals and that again and played them and got back in the team but now I think maybe the gaffer maybe sent me down there for a test or just to baby babysit Duncan for three months <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> right, that's that's what I that's what I get a grey hair for <laughs> so but it was a good good club and do you good do you club. keep in touch do you still follow the, the results back and forward do you? Ah, I, I, I don't now. I look, I look for them, but now I, I, I met up with Big Duncan about a year and a half ago, and uh, right. he, he was brilliant. Now he's, he's actually got a he's from Stirling, but he's got a sort of wee That's just right. a wee resemblance to a, a scouse twang. Now uh, he's been down <laughs> there always, uh, most of the time, and he, he loves it now. It's great to see him now. The greatest thing when, when he was caretaker manager and the passion he had, Big Duncan. Now it was brilliant. And honestly, God, and just uh, hopefully now he goes on from strength to strength, and hopefully now Evan can as well. So we have, at that point, stacked up quite a few league titles. Um, and you spoke about Paul Gascoigne earlier on, eight in a row. 
uh, he arrives. What can you remember about Paul Gascoigne playing for Rangers? Oh, I just again now he's getting wheeled in, and now that the, the crowds outside that day, you know, we just finished the training. We trained over at the police grounds over at Hags Castle in, in Gaza, and there's just a a melee of press everywhere. You name it, everything. And Paul just came in, and he just again came into the dressing room, and uh, oh, he was a character, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic football player, and was just right up there, just what we needed at that time, uh, just a genuine. Genuine world-class football player, but with a bit of, bit of madness involved in it, he'd blend into the dressing room, because now that time there's a few characters now, Fergie, Bomber, the goalie, yeah. myself and Coyste, and uh, a few of the quiet assassins. Now, they, they're going about the foreign boys, but they're quiet about now their business. They were, they were, they were be quiet assassins, some of them, but you come in and you, know, just, you get a chance of playing with like Paul Gascoigne, the club getting a chance to sign him, and it's a no-brainer. How does Gaza rate uh, amongst the, the players that you've sort of played with in your career and is, is he, is he, he must be right up there I would assume in the top five I played with Lowry right. in there too yep Cooper Sunus McCoy good can't, I can't argue with that Gascoigne uh, that would be my five aside team I play with I play with it, uh, I play with, with a goalie I just put that set and uh, he would just come in and, uh, every day but I said now it was, it was a way for football Paul struggled Paul just loved because he used to love his fishing, but he couldn't go fishing because there was press and the bushes and taking things, and he found that hard. But come a Saturday, come a midweek game, and he just get a chance to get onto the pitch. It just it was just again for we more just a release of energy, and he just enjoyed playing it. And that was the thing we always worried about with Paul: what was going to be after the football if there's no more football? So he just he just loved it. He just now yeah. Even when away on European trips, he'd, he'd probably he'd, he'd find kids playing with a ball and. You get Archie and the gaffer pulling them out now, like a tennis court now, day of games, not like, just get up to your room and get a kip. But Gascoigne, you just even if I playing table tennis or, or badminton or something, he, he would find something and try and source something just to keep now. Oh, unbelievable! Right now, the, 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 the obvious story is that, that I think gets covered a lot, um, as far as Gaz is concerned, was the fish and Jury's motor. Um, oh, what one? He's. <laughs> That was his worst. That was your worst nightmare when you were away training, because all the boys used to hide their keys at the reception on that. Now with security, because mm-hmm. if you got hold of your car keys, anything could happen. He'd, he'd go and hide your car and then leave you be notes. Now, like, so you go and try and find your car. And for some reason, he always seemed to pick on Juki. Juki, he left Juki's car in Govan Cross one day. Now, right, right in the middle of the Celtic area. And Juki's going to be looking for his car and all that. And we just had these mo- now the bricks and mobile phones. Aye. Goes, nah, 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 you're no hot. And Juki, oh. But the day, of course, you said it was frightening the day of the fish. How we found this compartment. And I, and I just Gaza. Just the way it is. He goes, nah. Watch us. We'll no find this one. And now, at that time, it was like £25,000 car. Now, we're sponsored with Honda. Of course. The, the, the thing was a write-off because the smell was horrendous. I can imagine. You know, Oh, he used to park in the, now the wee tunnel, but yeah, yeah. Just, 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 just if you get up to the 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 main door, there was a wee tunnel, but where the, I think the disabled people used to go before the games and all that, and there was a tunnel there. Juki had to park his car in there with the windows down because he, he kept the windows up. It was, it was absolutely nobody would travel with Juki to train. <laughs> he would just he'd, he'd go in somebody else's car, or if now sometimes you have to take a couple of cars in the minibus. Uh, now that's we're winning leagues and trebles and we're going to games and now minibuses and uh, uh, training sorry minibuses and cars 
but nobody would get, nobody could get near Jukies Cap. It was horrendous. <laughs> Absolutely horrendous smell. And I think uh, uh, we spoke earlier on about how um, Walter Smith was like a, a father figure to so many of you. Uh, you. You certainly get the impression he had he had that affiliation with Gaza. He, he, he really took him under his wing and nurtured them and looked after him. Because I don't think up till that point Gaza had really had anyone to look after him properly, if you like, if, in a football perspective. The only thing, he, he talks very fondly about Jack Charlton. Uh, obviously, Jack now broke into the team at Newcastle and, and, and Terry Venables. But now Terry, Terry Venables only had him for three years before and Everton went to Italy. I think that he found the isolation. He, he spoke about it a few times when we were talking. Now, the isolation thing in Italy, now where you're basically just now in the house, train, in the house, train. And Gascoigne, Gaza was just now, Gaza loved fishing. Now, he'd be up at four in the morning, away fishing. He loved playing games at a pool. He'd find a pool table, darts, you know, doms, anything. Just to keep his mind going, yeah. uh, he found it, and then the gaffer found now they put him at uh, Cameron House, and there was a wee golf course he could fish, get in the boat. He loved it, but the gaffer now placed him there, and also now when he's placed there, gaffer just living a mile down the road, so he was keeping a good eye on him as well. Imagine, and uh, that's what it was. <laughs> and uh, but it, because we had a few times, and we had to go and babysit some of him now sometimes, and that's the way it was. Now it was your turn. Uh, Big Haley, he said, I'll look after him. Big Mark aged about 10 years in about three days. He's <laughs> 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 away for training, and, and, and uh, Mark will be looking for him now. We need to go on training, guys will be fishing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Him and McCoyst must have been an absolute nightmare when they were together, were they not? They were a nightmare, that's when they were injured. McCoyst yeah. would just wind gas coin up and uh, the one one day you now Gaza had a nail gun and nailed all stuff out of the the ceilings and all that now our shoes and uh, he took Big Mark two exception to his Versace tie get nailed to the thing actually <laughs> uh, so so Gaza got a clip but he was just he, he couldn't he was just see when he was at the gym he he'd been to the gym thinking of something to do to one of the boys' cars or their clothes or something like that. and uh, he used to turn up and he, he was an awful man for spilling food over himself. And me, Alec Cleland, his gear was spotless. Now you can actually cut your finger on Alec, Alec Cleland's crease. And he used to put he used to put his suit on right, and a, a brown sauce or something on it. <laughs> and he would go and do a little press conference. He'd have we Alec, Alec Cleland's gear on, all pristine. <laughs> and you'd see me Alec Cleland wherever this for such a suit, lovely suit, but a big bit of brown or tomato sauce on it or something. <laughs> And I mean, Gaza was just one of these guys who he was he was just naturally gifted. I think he said it earlier on about his his haven being on the in between the white lines type thing. He, he was oh. he was just such a gifted footballer, wasn't he? He was he was sensational. Yeah, you know, upper body strength, goals, base feet, but just just wanted to play football. Uh, yeah. Just uh, just wanted you now everything. Then he just loved it. He loved now the training. It now again, they always turned up training. As I say, he was a, he was a nightmare when he was injured, but. The training and we'd play five a size and five a size seemed to go on longer when Gaza was playing because he was now it's like a ten twenty one up. His team and, and on it, his team had to win all the time. It was just the way it is. And now everything about him, he was infectious, madman, but infectious. But what a football player! So nineteen ninety seven arrives and um, Rangers win a nine in a row without any asterisks. Um, how do you 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 sort of rate that season as far as tension and and pressures concerned? The, the, we obviously had guys like Goff who was who was entering the, the sort of the final part of his his Rangers career, 
Um, a lot of guys were, were moving on at that point. Yourself was in there. Um, how was that season in general? Was it a difficult season or was there just one common goal to get to nine in a row? Just that, that was a common denominator. That was it. Now they set a stall at the start of the season and everything started off great. And then we, we, we picked up injuries. And uh, as you said, now you were right. Now there was a few years that been in a few wars and, and it started to take its toll. And uh, we tried to refresh it up. And, but again, now, we ended up, now, there was a, there was one game, now, we should have won it against uh, Motherwell at home, but again, now, we, we took our foot off the pedal, but again, we, we, we won it, now, I end up now with Dundee United, and we had the game, the next game at home, but again, it was just, a, that was our main aim. Uh, Some header by Loudrop, wasn't it? Unbelievable, you know, Loudrop heading the ball, me, Charlie, Miller crossing the ball, was left foot. Left foot. <laughs> and again, yeah, and... Guys had, had been struggling up to then and now the gaffer took a gamble on to play him and uh, I think it lasted about an hour. And uh but that, that hour one is a game and now one is nine in a row and then coming down the road after that was now, now the, the special time we won at Aberdeen now we won the first league now championship Aberdeen were come down the road and you see all the fans but that night we Jimmy does a detour and we're going round Georgia Square. Unbelievable. Now the fans now we get to Ibrox and there's now what three or four thousand outside Ibrox. A pity the next season, but because we were, we're running empty next season, I think all, all they took to win 10 in a row was maybe another couple of players and just give us that wee jag to go on and do it. But again, yeah. now we, we had it, we had it, but again, we just took our foot off the pedal and lost silly games. How you kill Marnock? So we got to that stage where it, 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 inevitably all these good things come to an end, um, and your, your time at Rangers um, sort of drifted away and, and you went to, to call Marnock with. Uh, Wally McCoy, tell us a wee bit about that. Was uh, were you glad to be continuing your career together, or were you just desperate to try and get away from him? I had the opportunity. I'd always wanted to play abroad, and I had yeah. the opportunity to play in a French team. But then uh, my good lady turned and said she was pregnant, so there was no chance of that going. Okay. So yep. Up until then, we, we Bobby had been tapping us for about three or four months to come to Kilmarnock, and I, I just event I goes okay then. Uh, now. Two young kids at that time and the third one on the way and I goes, it was an ideal opportunity now, great be family club. And I, I only advise you going down there for maybe one or two years. I eventually stayed seven, which now was a big part now. The, the club played a big part now for, for seven years now, the, the playing bit and then the coaching but but I just enjoyed it. Uh, there, there was no no pressure on me now. The, the only pressure I, I put on myself was now I, I can't get down here and seem to be take my foot off the pedal. I, I need to go here and show these people I can play a bit. And uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm loving it for a fortnight. It's great. I'm, now, now you get to know a new bunch of boys, and then he walks in, doesn't he, McCoy? He goes, uh, <laughs> and uh, that was it. He goes, uh, he goes, how long are you signed for? He goes, how long are you signed for? I goes, maybe one, two years, Max. And I, 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 I'm all reliant on my knees. My knees was, it was getting a wee bit, now, a wee bit jarred at that time. It's now sort of taking his toe and I'm saying if my, as long as my knee's fine I, and I can give him two good years I'll okay then so he played for three years and I played for three and a half years and it was just a good time now he went down and me Bobby gave him the now the let the rain go he bet he could do his question sport he could pursue his now his TV work and all that everything he loved it and again now unfortunately he broke his leg against <laughs> against Rangers in fact big oh, that's right aye Yep. And, that, and that's, that, that curtailed his playing. But he, he played until he was 39 now, which is phenomenal. Now, it must have been a huge wrench for his both to leave Rangers. It was. 
uh, I had the chance to stay uh, right. under Advocate. Uh, I goes, but now, now you've got a young Barry Ferguson, now you had Alberts, now he's flying. I knew Bronkhurst was coming in, and I'm going, well, it's going to be another year of maybe playing the reserves or doing things. And you still had wee Charlie Miller and, and Derek McInnes at the time. And yeah. I, I said, no, I'd love to, but I, I said, no, thanks. And he said, oh, well, if you want a year, I, I said, no, well, I'd just be saying, I'm, I'd just be holding back somebody or, or coming to a game and no playing. And I goes, I've had great times, and I'd like to leave now on, on these terms now with the boys. I've been, been playing with for virtually 10 years now to go and leave with them. And now, Albeit now we left in sad circumstances with the Hearts game. Again, now there was another school doggery written all over it. Now, apparently, yep. we should have got it again. Aye, absolutely. But it, was, but it was a time to leave. Because uh, when now you know when your time's up, I, I, now you can't go to your will that often. Do you think when you went down there, you, you almost had to see it as an opportunity to, to reinvent yourself as a footballer? You were no longer Ian Durant, Rangers Ian Durant. You were Kilmarnock's Ian Durant, having to almost start again a little bit. Yeah. I'm getting, I went down there and now there's now Kilmarnock's highest paid player and there was a lot of things, a lot of pressures on me now in terms of now, well, the expectation levels of me going down or and there was I remember one time now, I think I've, my wife's still got the cutting. Oh Durant maybe just seen his payday, gets a payday and sees his day out. Which so which spurred me on. I, I knew I could still play. And I, I knew I could still play at a level. And uh, it was just getting the opportunity and again now it took me back to like Jock Wallace and Graham Sunnis under now the the early years now, the pre-season was one of the hardest I've had, but I played like 52 games the first season for Kilmarnock. And, yeah. and I said, you now the pre-season I had, now stand me in good stead, but went down and got in the back in the Scotland squad. And I just, again, just played with enjoyment. And I, and it's like everything now, you, you just want to go and play. And I was given the opportunity to go and play and enjoy myself. No pressures. There wasn't any pressures of winning things at Kilmarnock. Respectability, where you're going to finish, good cup runs and doing that. But we see the days now. We, we qualify for Europe. The three years I was there, uh, got to two cup finals, and uh, now just now, just a good place to be at. And it was good now, a great place for me now to finish on a high. And come on, you started doing your your coaching bits and pieces there as well. I think, didn't you? I started. I started. I'd done my my B license at Rangers. Uh, Again, that was just a summer time. I was standing with pregnant, and there was nothing out at my loose end. And I, I'd, I'd done my B license at actually at Murray Park, in fact. Then I, I got the second bit, and then obviously it carried on for there. And obviously, we Bobby leaving, I was thrust upon to take the team. Yeah. And then Jim Jeffries coming in through the club, through Mr. Costa, the chairman, said we'd like to stay on and help. And again, now we had a successful youth team at that time with obviously Chris Boyd, uh, Stephen Naismith. A few others coming through, and now that was a, now we went we end up winning the youth cup with we, myself and Alan Robertson at Kilmarnock, and uh, Chris Boyd, a few good players came out, Cammy Bell, and again Naismith, and it was a good product. Now, of times, uh, youth players coming through at Kilmarnock. So retirement age comes at Kilmarnock, and you 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 find yourself um, back at Ibrox in a coaching capacity, looking after the under 19s. Um, were you, you, I assume you were approached by the club to come back or was it just an opportunity that fell into your lap? It was Alec McLeish that phoned me. Uh, there's, there's going to be an opening coming up. Would you be interested? And I'm going, show me, where, when can I come? Uh, <laughs> I felt at the time now, now at Kamar, I've been there seven years and I just felt now they were starting to feel it financially. And uh, I, I, now, that was a way, it had been a wage off them and, and 
Jim Jeffries was great about me. I said, there's, a, there's an opportunity going back to Rangers. And he goes, just take it. And I don't think the club can offer you anything. And, and it was more, now I think he's more embarrassing. I got a chance and worked under Alec McLeish and uh, uh, George Adam and Bomber. Bomber was yeah. taking the reserves at the time. And, and it was great. And again, now we had a great conveyor belt now. It was like Chris Burke, Charlie Adams, uh, Brian McLean, uh, Alan McGregor, Hutton. Now, Ross McCormick, great conveyor belt of players coming through at that time, and uh, it was great to work with Bomber. Bomber had a great reserve team at the time, they were all reserve leagues, and they're challenging and one reserve leagues, and really good. You know, just be involved in that and, and coaching the young kids coming through. So, was Barry Ferguson around in the UCAP at that point? No, he was the first team captain at that time. Yeah, okay. He was, uh, I come back. Then that, that, the, the season I come back, uh, one that used to rode the helicopter, I'd just been back in uh, February, I come back and yeah. won the league at Easter Road. And then uh, Barry decided then he was going to Blackburn and yeah. uh, left it. Now, an almighty guy Rangers now after now winning the league. But we had now a good nucleus of players at that time as well. Now we have Teta and other players coming in. And again, now Big Alec was sort of rebuilding or trying to rebuild the team after the Abacat era. And uh, there was, wasn't a lot of money about, but he, you know, he went about his business. Big Alec astutely brought in some good players. Who do you think was a better player, Barry or Derek? For me, Derek. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's my pal. Uh, Barry was a fantastic. <laughs> I, I say that. I, I say that when we got a drink and, and me Barry cracks up. No, but Barry. Uh, Barry was. He was. He was. A, he was. He carried the club now in the sort of ways now. Uh, it's quite sad in many ways because I never really touched on it. But now, due to injury and misfortune, now myself and Derek never really get the opportunity for filling it because I thought at the time and when the gaffer signed Dean Ferguson, I thought we'd make them a great midfield now. Absolutely. Myself and the two, myself and the two Fergies. But yeah. uh, I'd pick Barry Ferguson already. Now, I think he's a fantastic football player. And you now, in some way or another, now you, you play a wee bit of involvement in his career coming up now as a kid. And... Uh, I was there, still playing my trade when Barry was coming through, and there was a few times he wanted to leave, and I go, listen, you'll get the keys to the kingdom, just bide your time, and, and then he came in and uh, waited on under Abacat and, and Big Alec, and obviously Scotland was now second to him, fantastic football player. So he goes down to, to Blackburn for 18 months or so, um, and in the background, um, Paul Le Guin arrives at Ibrox. Um a lot of different things you'll kind of read about Paul Le Guin and the, the things that he brought to the club and people maybe not buying into it. What was your take on the on the Frenchman's time at Ibrox? Great ideas. Uh, I just, I, I'd, I'd loved to, and it came out later on, Scott, he had, he had more money to spend. And I think if he'd, if he'd have brought in a couple of more players to the players he had, I think he would have done okay. The first, the first thing he had to address was how long Big Dad was going to last. Now, Dad had been an integral part of Big Alex team, and Dad, again, similar to myself, was struggling with a knee injury. Yeah. So that needed replacing. I don't think he ever get the chance of replacing that. Dad was a big character on the team, and he was losing big characters, and they replaced them now with, with younger players that never had the stature Dad had. Yeah, so absolutely. I just I thought, I, and I, I, now I obviously try to help him as much as I can, but his ideas, but he lost a battle in the dressing room where now, Obviously, people were going one way and he was wanting to go another way. And now he, he thought it better for himself to leave. But 
I, I liked his ideas. I just he never got the chance to implement them. I think the the one thing I can remember quite vividly about it, um, other than Boyd's celebration at uh, for Park, um, I remember the the Dunfermline game that obviously followed soon after Le Guin departed, and and you were in charge. And one yeah. of the first things you done was you you gave Ferguson back the the captain's armband. That was a huge vote of confidence for him and a big decision by you at that point. I just thought I thought the importance of the game. Now, obviously, with the, I knew the gaffer was coming in, and you know, one thing when you looked at looked at that year, I thought, well, we, we've got a chance of winning the cup, and uh, I had to know uh, big characters. There, there was a few uh, of the exit of Mr. Leguen. There was a few French players that mysteriously went down injured prior to the, the Dunfermline game, and uh, that didn't help matters. And Barry was having a internal fight with everybody at that time <laughs> and uh, I just thought it right and I asked them and I asked the club if it'd be fine and I got the club's back and you're in charge and I said well for us to win of any chance to win the club we, we need our best players playing Indeed. and I'm just now through misfortune now I've watched the game several times and how we never won that game that day I'll never know yeah. we lost we lost terrible goals but the amount of chances we had was incredible well, uh, a lot of chances wasn't it Again, I would be hit, Barry hit the post, Boydie hit the bar, and Alan Hutton had one cleared off the line, which to this day I thought was over. But again, now 30 seconds later, they got the part and scored. But again, it was just an incredible moment for me just to see you know, you've, you've been the manager of the Rangers under difficult circumstances. But I just thought, if, you know, we having Barry back in the team and the likes of Chris Boys and Charlie Adams, people who responded to people I met, I thought we had a chance to win the cup, but unfortunately, it never happened. And, I wouldn't swap it. No, it was, that was, no, I was given it. I was given a free row and a pick which I thought was a team that could beat them fairly. So you were in and around um, the Rangers training centre for a good wee while after that, in and around the, the sort of the youth teams, reserve guys, and the, you eventually left and ended up at Dumbarton with, was it Stevie Aiken who was there at the time? Yeah, yeah we, we Stevie was looking, uh, his assistant was leaving uh, Stevie and he, was, he just asked if you come in again. It was just, I'll come into the end of the season now. I wasn't doing anything, and I uh, went in, and we stayed up, and uh, we got to the the final of the I don't know what cup it was called then, the Iron Brew Cup or, <laughs> the, Jack, or the, the Jackie Husband Cup final or somewhere. <laughs> and uh, and and we stayed there, and, and that's when I thought now now I'd, I'd been working with people who were now loyal and stood by, and we Stephen now kept them Barton. And and you know, under unbelievable circumstances, I worked work beside them and keep them in you know, like a full time league, with a part time team, and get to cup finals. But there was a new board come in, and we lost six games, and all of a sudden you could see there was panic, and yeah. unfortunately we lost our jobs. But again, that was just, there was no loyalty. And I thought now if it, we had a string of injuries, which now have a part time team was incredible because we couldn't we, at time for three games we only had eleven players and no subs. Yeah. But again, but. But that's, you live with a sword and die with a sword, don't you? And again, and you're unfortunate, but that's the way it is. So I want to ask you a little bit now as we as we kind of get near to, to finishing the chat. I could speak to you all night for what it's worth, but I appreciate we're on a clock. Um, the current situation in, in Scottish football and the, the SPFL are, or have rather today, of course, awarded um, championships and relegations, et cetera, et cetera. What's, what's your take on it? And I appreciate it's, it's difficult from a Rangers perspective 
because we we almost can't talk about it for being accused of this, that, and the next thing. But from someone who's played the game at, at the highest level, as far as I'm concerned, if you were a player and you were being awarded a, a league title that you hadn't won, um, what's your take on that, Ian? I think everybody wanted the league to be resumed. Now, you see it all over the world. Now, there are uh, countries out with, I think, now are not as strong as Scotland, seem to be back playing. Now, teams in Belarus are playing. I thought, now, Celtic wanted to finish it. Rangers wanted to finish it. So why can we not go together and finish the league? I think Rangers have been given a hard hand. Do I think now 13 points with a game in hand might have been a lot to make up? Now, that, that, that's, they, were not, they were not given the opportunity to try and make the points up. Celtic yeah. needed two games to win the league. They might have played the two games and won the league. Hearts may have won two games and, and stayed up. So exactly. there's been a lot of things uh, further down the league. Stisso and games in hand. It's just shabbily now. The way, the way it all came out, and uh, obviously the press for the SPFL, it was, it was a shambles the way it was run. I think as well, in the, the current climate, you're talking about guys' livelihoods as well. Um, which it's a critical time, isn't it? No one wants yeah. to be to be looking for work, and particularly as a footballer. Of course, it is, and I but turn away now for the COVID. Now a lot of, a lot of people have lost their lives, but, uh, but we just seem now everybody wants to get back to normality. And I just thought uh, if maybe maybe I waited. Now I just thought now they pushed the panic button. I know you can. Uh, I know uh, for safety and all that, but there's Germany are, are having like closed door games. And all that. I think if we have just maybe waited and maybe see everything turned out okay we could get back playing football and maybe prolong the league now there's no guarantee whatever's happening with the COVID now how long but we could have went and maybe just started the league next season's league a wee bit later yeah. and kept it going sometimes you maybe have to ask players to play through we know the difficulties surrounding families now but I just thought they might have waited and gave the chance now the teams a chance I think now uh, I still don't think maybe now they're caught Celtic but as you, now you say they were given it rather than having the opportunity to win in the league. And on our club, how far away do you reckon we are? A few signings. Uh, we showed. Uh, the, th- the thing I think where we were lacking, Scott, is a wee bit more experience, a wee bit more streetwise in terms of now the way we played up until December when we went to Parkhead and the, the League Cup final, which we were unfortunately lose just now. It gave you now a great belief in Rangers how they played and they closed the gap on Celtic and then unfortunately we we won at the races after uh, the the winter break uh, we lost games and uh, never gave ourselves now that opportunity to keep the pressure on but we've got a good nucleus of players now Hadji's come in great Arevo looks alright now really good player yeah uh, McGregor Davis the spiny team and just hopefully now now hopefully now but maybe we're pushing it but I hope now Alfredo decides to stay and I yeah. think he would give the club a, a boost and hopefully manager now you see the new merchandise now there's going to be a new Rangers shop they're looking at other the old, uh, the old Rangers club now maybe turning into uh, uh, offices and other yeah. things maybe a museum or something like so the club's certainly pushing forward in the right way so I'm just hopefully the club now as, as they've done can go and uh, back the manager up and get, hopefully get those signs in it and make sure now we are once everything resumes and we get back to this normality of playing football, that we're on the front foot and pushing Celtic as hard as we can. Do you still get back and forward to the games? Always, as much as I can. As much as I can. Uh, unfortunately, now I'm at the Elder Stadium, so I, I, I get invited along and the, the club are great now. They, they welcome along and I do a bit of hospitality. I'll be doing a bit of Rangers TV with Tom Miller. 
that's an insight. Uh, and <laughs> and, and uh, I enjoy it. And again, it's just uh, I, as much as I can. Uh, my, my kids, not there, but they're the season ticket holders. So they're there most uh, every home game. And uh, I get back as much as I can. Good. So listen, Ian, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this tonight. As I say, I could I could speak to you for hours. I, I, I don't mean it facetiously when I say you're Rangers royalty. You're right up there as far as I'm concerned. Um, I really, really appreciate you joining us uh, on This Is Ibrox, the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And I'd just like to wish whoever's coming on. Fantastic. Thanks. I love the dream, Scotty. And uh, that's, that's what it is. I just love the dream and I enjoyed everything. But enjoy tonight. I'd like to thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks Cheers, for having Ian. me. Thanks. Well,